All right. It is RTT number 56. Five, six. This is Mike. Mike Sherman here flying solo. Uh, Chad is on the road. Uh, he's a traveling man uh, today. Um, and we'll catch up with him next week. Uh, Jacob is also off. So I am the, the uh, producer, the director, the executive producer, the key grip. Uh, all of the parts uh, just just come down to me. Uh, and we're still going to be uh, talking a little bit about uh, hope and uh, from First Thessalonians uh, 2. Uh, and in particular, we're going to talk about the hope of transformation, the hope of transformation from, uh, from God's word and what that means for us if uh, as followers of Christ, as believers, we read the Bible, we hold the Bible to be God's word, and yet uh, it, we don't always experience it as being transformative. Um, and I'm gonna, I want to kick off with a, uh, a, a part of the book, The Silver Chair, or at least um, kind of the premise or the element or the setup uh, of that book. Uh, it's one of the Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, in it, Aslan gives uh, two children a mission, sends them on a mission, and he gives them signs uh, to look for. Uh, and the you know, two children are Jill and Eustace, and they're on at the beginning of the book. They're they're called to Aslan's mountain, uh, if you will, and uh, Jill uh, is kind of showing off. I think she's been there before, and Eustace falls off a cliff. And, you know, Aslan must use his breath to blow him over this, the great chasm uh, into the land of Narnia. Uh, and then he, before he sends Jill there, he gives her signs that he was going to give them both. Uh, but these are the signs that uh, she has to remember. She has to internalize these, memorize them, pass them on uh, to Eustace, uh, they're, they're supposed to remember them, to memorize them, to repeat them in the morning and in the evening. Uh, the, and there are the instructions needed to accomplish the mission. And so you kind of get a, uh, a, a hint of the Deuteronomy 6, where, you know, we're told to take the law and to, to memorize it, to teach it to our children, to, you know, to, to put it on our doorposts. Uh, and, Added to that, this is the instructions needed to accomplish the mission. And in this case, they're getting, they're getting the word directly from Aslan, from the, the Christ figure uh, in the story. Um, and they get to Narnia. They, you know, mess up repeatedly. They stumble around, you know, and by really providence, presumably, they inadvertently, in some cases, follow the signs and they accomplish the mission, despite their imperfection. Uh, they, they sometimes, you know, not really consciously following the signs. They end up following the signs and they accomplish, uh, the mission. And so all of that to sort of ask the question, what is our stance toward, uh, what is our understanding of what it means for God to speak to us in his word? What is our stance towards the scriptures? And, uh, the verse I want to talk about and, you know, just kind of parse through uh, for a little bit uh, uh, while we're together this week uh, and just sort of think about it and 
perhaps look at it in a new new light or a new way. It's 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, verse 13, and where Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, whom he's already praised for their transformation of life and for the hope that, you know, the faith and the hope and the love that he hears uh, uh, about them from other people, the evidence of their transformation of the truth. Uh, he says, and we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Okay, so there's a lot there uh, in that verse. First is, you know, they received the word of God. Uh, and, you know, they heard it uh, from obviously Paul, uh, but it really came from not just Paul, right? And I kind of want to back up and think about, like, what does it mean to receive the word of God? How do I receive it? Uh, If you're listening and you hear the scriptures preached, you read them, you think about them, whatever, what what goes into how you do and don't receive the word? Of course, there's Jesus' famous parable, the sower, which talks about the different soils and in relation particularly to the word. And, and the goal would be in that parable, the goal is fruitfulness. The seed falls, falls on good soil. It grows up. Nothing chokes it out. It doesn't wither in the heat. It produces fr- fruit. Uh, and that is the goal. Uh, that's one of the points of that parable. Uh, and is that happening in my life? How do I understand God's word and how do I receive it? And I think what goes into that question or what can go into that question is a prior question. And that is, how do I understand who I am and what this life is and what this life is about? Uh, and that sounds maybe a little too meta or too deep, but um, let me ask it this way. Is my life mine, basically? Yeah, but God's got some chores for me to do before I can watch TV and have ice cream uh, or play at my friend's house. Like, it's basically my life. Uh, okay, I'm now, I follow now Christ. And, but basically, as long as I don't, you know, flagrantly mess up, uh, he, that's, you know, basically I can do what I want, but he's got some chores for me to do uh, before I can before I can go do the things I want to do. Uh, but the, but the underlying premise is it's really up to me to decide how to act, uh, you know, on, on God's word. Um, is it mine? Is my life mine really? But I've come to believe that in order to live my best life, I need to do some of the things that God says. Um, is, is, is it something like that? where this is my life and God's word is different than some other, you know, some other thing I'm following. It's bigger, it's higher, but it's still basically uh, up to me. Uh, And it has to do with stuff I'm doing for God or stuff I need to do or stuff I should do. Uh, And it isn't connecting to anything bigger. And, And if that's the case, then what is God's word to me? And will I love it? And will I be, you know, will I really receive it uh, as it as it really is? Or on the other ha- other side of the coin, is my life not mine? 
Is it really God's life? He owns it. He owns me. I exist for his purpose, for his grace, for his love, for his pleasure, that I've been placed in this land of Narnia to accomplish some mission. And he's given me uh, signs, instructions, uh, a story to be a part of. Uh, and if that's true, then I'm going to see God's word pretty differently. That I'm going to receive the word of God, as the Thessalon- as it says in Thessalonians 2, 13, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. And uh, if that's, that changes everything, obviously. Uh, it changes everything about more than just the word of God, but it, but it does change everything about how I encounter God's word. Do I sit above it? Do I like, yeah, sit above it and look down on it and judge it and filter it and figure out, you know, can I take this part of it and do that part of it? Uh, can I reinterpret this to, to fashion it this way? And uh, that sounds probably a negative way to think about it, but uh, I, it, I think it, it, it does fall into the story we're actually in because we are fallen. We live in a fallen world. Uh, back in that, in the story of the silver chair, one of the things Aslan says before he gives the signs to Jill and sends her into, into Narnia, he says, up, up here on the mountain, the air is clear. Uh, everything's clear. The air is clear. When you get to Narnia, uh, it'll be different. The atmosphere will be different. There'll be distractions. There'll be pain. There'll be confusion. Things won't be uh, exactly as they seem. Uh, it's, in other words, it seems clear here up on the mountain. When you get down there, it won't seem clear. But remember the signs. Uh, learn the signs. Talk about the signs. Teach the signs to each other. Follow the signs to accomplish the mission. And so there's this element of faith that is involved in understanding God's word as I sit here in the cloudy air of fallen planet earth in my cloudy brain or my fallen brain where I am apt to take God's word and do something different with it. Uh, I am, I am prone to reinterpret it for my own uh, pleasure or my own uh, benefit or my own good uh, or, you know, not good, uh, but what I perceive to be my own good. Uh, that it doesn't mean this, but it means that. And all of that comes from not accepting it as it actually is the word of God. Uh, and so I, that was, I thought of that, that episode in that book, because what would it be like if we were getting, uh, receiving God's instructions, like from his mouth in an audible voice, uh, if we were transported, you know, at, 6.30 in the morning, every morning we were transported to the throne of God and we got some word from God and then we came back to earth to, to live our day. How, how would our day be different? And that seems, okay, I, that seems kind of silly, I suppose. Uh, but it's, it's probably less silly than we think because the truth is actually much closer to that than we would guess that, or should be. Um, you know, that we are temples of God's spirit, that, uh, you know, we exist as his presence in the world, that we are the people of God, that we actually are in his presence and he is in our presence and he speaks to us that, that in his, through his spirit and through his spirit, through his word. And 
do I, but do I think of it that way? Uh, in all the different ways I think about interacting with God's word, that's sort of a duty, that it's sort of something, I have a goal, uh, I will feel good about myself if I do it. But then even as I interact with God's word, am I looking at it as it actually is, the word of God? Uh, and I think the second part of that, uh, the back end, the last clause in that verse uh, is perhaps a telling one, which is, uh, he says, uh, you received it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Uh, and it, it's not which, you know, sometimes, you know, does good stuff, you know, every once in a while transforms you or uh, that, you know, if you play your cards right, you'll get some fruit out of that. The, the, this, it's a statement of fact that God's work, God's word is at work in you who believe. It is indeed at work in you who believe. And that's maybe a question I have to ask myself. Uh, is God's word at work in me? And what would that look like? And if it isn't, then perhaps uh, am I interacting with it? Am I, as a, as a, am I accepting it? not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God? Or if I, am I kind of humanizing it, neutering it, uh, dumbing it down, simplifying it, oversimplifying it, um, making excuses for it or myself, and then therefore it's not transforming me. Um, you know, there's that, the promise in Isaiah is that God's word will not go forth void, that it will bear fruit in season. And we often think of that in the sense of if we're throwing God's word out there, it's going to bear fruit somewhere out there. Uh, but the promise also works the other direction with that. If, if I am experiencing uh, his word as it actually is the word of God, it will bear fruit in my life. It will be at work in, in me. And this, if it's not in work in me, then probably I'm getting in the way of that somehow. If it's God's word, it is at work. And if it isn't at work, uh, is it just words that I'm trying to uh, remember and maybe do? Um, and that goes, <clears throat> goes back to that, that very first question. Um, how do I look at my life and my the story I'm in and then how, how I inter interact with God's word? That it's his life, I'm in his story for his purpose, his glory, his grace, uh, and in all of all of that is where I find fulfillment in life and wholeness and peace and shalom. And therefore, then God's word goes right along with that story. Uh, but if I kind of live my own story, then God's word sometimes can be really inconvenient. Um, and in the second case, it's probably not transformative. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know that we're always fair judges of, and it could be either way. It could be, um, we say, I don't see God's word at work in me, you know, kind of a, a Eeyore kind of grumpy, uh, kind of, uh, kind of a, a lack of faith that, um, that maybe it's not working for me. Uh, when the promise is here, it is indeed at work in you who believe if we're encountering as God's word. We may not see it. Uh, we may be too hard on ourselves. We may 
we we may not notice it, uh, and it may not necessarily be for our noticing. Um, in the story, the children actually end up following the signs, and they actually end up accomplishing the mission. And the whole way, they feel like failures. In uh, the, the whole way, they um, feel like it feels like they can't do anything right, and they're not getting it right. Uh, but as they stumble along and remember this sign here and this sign there, they end up fulfilling the mission. And of course, it is God in them, working in them. Uh, and so there's this uh, kind of two sides of the coin here where God uh, gives us this identity and places us in the story and gives us this mission. And he gives us instructions and it's really important and it's weighty and it's high stakes and we have a job to do, and it's important. And on the other side of the coin, we're going to get it wrong. We're going to forget. Uh, we're going to mess up. Uh, and he, in his grace, is going to accomplish the mission in and through us, because he, he always was going to do that. Uh, and I think we can, I think we can overplay either side. We can say it's all on me, and I've got to do the job, and I've got to step up and I've got to follow God's word. And I think we can kind of become a little legalistic in that judgment, judgmental, harsh, critical of others and legalistic. Uh, and that's to err in too far of a direction that, um, that is, that is all on us. Uh, the other side of the coin is it's not really on us. It's all God. Well, it's all God through us. He chooses to use us. He sends us to Narnia on the mission and gives us a sign, if you will. Uh, this is our Narnia. We have our signs, our mission, our instructions, what we're supposed to do. And we ought to try to see ourselves in that light. We ought to remind ourselves that's who we are. We ought to encounter God's word as it really is. Uh, and even though we'll forget and we'll mess up and we'll drop the ball, he can, he will, he, it, his word is indeed at work in you who believe. Uh, and that's, that's, it doesn't matter if it doesn't feel that way. Uh, it doesn't matter if I feel like a failure. And it doesn't matter if I feel perfect. God's word is at work. If I'm messing up on either side, his word is at work in me. And it's him bearing the fruit and him accomplishing the mission in us. Uh, and so I think that's that's the hope of the transforming power of God's word. I think it's both sides of the coin that it is important that the life God's given you is important. It's meaningful, uh, not just in an abstract sense. It has uh, you have a unique place in the story, a unique call. Uh, you have unique instructions, if you will. We all have shared instructions, but you have unique spheres of influence, and it, and it is important. Uh, and so there's the hope that this is all worth something and means something and is for something, and it's important. And on the other side, there's the hope that it is God, his work is at work in us, it's important for us to follow the instructions, to pay attention, to show up, uh, kind of to stand up straight and look life in the eye and walk into the story he's given us. And then on the other side, it's all the fruit is his. 
all the work is being done by him. His word is at work in us who believe. And that means it's going to bear fruit. And it's him bearing the fruit. And, you know, we're not on the clear air of the mountain. We're down in Narnia where things are confusing and, and we confuse ourselves and we drop the ball. But God still does will accomplish the mission in us. Uh, and sometimes the mission is in my own heart. The mission of transforming my own heart is what God is going to do uh, in his word and his work. Um, and so that's the hope. The hope that we're a part of, we're not, we're not passive. We're called to be active and step forward and take agency and uh, be counted. And then the hope that we can't even do that well or, or well enough that, you know, we're going to mess up. We're going to forget. We're going to have good days and bad days. Uh, and our good days aren't good enough. Uh, but in all of that, he will work. He will change. He will transform us. He will transform our hearts. He will transform God's people. Uh, and that we're not in control of that process fully. There's hope in that. Uh, because if I, if I was in control, if I had to be in control, then I kind of tend, people tend who have to be in control, tend towards the legalistic side. I have to sort of define the mission down into some manageable thing and I've got to do it, say I did it and be in control of it. Uh, but it's bigger than that. And it's so big, I can't fully do it. And he will, you know, I have hope that he will work his word in me, in us, in our world for transformation. Um, and so, uh, that's where I'm going to leave this, this solo version of, uh, Rogue Table Talks number, number 56. I don't know if you want to keep, keep listening to me all by myself. Uh, so I'm going to leave it there. And, uh, I want to leave you with that word of hope and encouragement to encounter God's word as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you, uh, who believe. And to understand that this is a life we've been gifted, that it is a meaningful life, a meaningful story we're in, we have a meaningful part to play. And so we should stand up and be counted and step into it and also be encouraged that we're going to mess up and he's going to accomplish the mission. He's going to bear the fruit. He's going to work in us because his word is at work in you who believe. So I'm going to leave it there. Grace and peace, everyone. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.